Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, and in today's podcast, we're talking all about how vital it is to be a good communicator, to be a good public speaker, especially for healthcare professionals. So I have a great guest to walk us through all of that, and he is Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan is the founder of Master Talk, a coaching business he started to help ambitious executives and business owners become top 1% communicators in their industries so that they can accelerate their success in the workplace and companies. He also hosts a successful YouTube channel by the same name, Master Talk, with over 25,000 subscribers. Brendan has coached many executives from companies like Salesforce, Amazon, IBM, Morgan Stanley, Blue Cross, J. Walter Thompson, Deloitte, Verizon, and many more. So like I said, today we're talking about public speaking, how becoming, how to become an exceptional communicator, how to give great presentations, whether they're online or group, and presenting as an introvert. So it's all about getting better at communicating. Brendan has some great tips and tricks, some homework for us all to do so that we can become better communicators, presenters, and public speakers. So big thanks to Brendan and everyone enjoy today's episode. Hey, Brendan, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on and to talk about public speaking. So thank you so much for joining me. Karen, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me. All right. So public speaking, As you know, sometimes it can be people's number one fear in life, getting in front of a group of people. In the, I'm a physical therapist, in the physical therapy world, uh, public speaking is something that can really help move the needle on your career, yet so many people are afraid to do it, afraid to apply, afraid to get up there, that sometimes they just never do it. So before we get into uh, a lot of things in this interview, because I have so many things that I want to ask you, um, from what you've seen and in your experience, what are the biggest challenges people have with public speaking? You know, a lot of people, Karen, they think it's fear, but there's actually a challenge even greater than fear, surprisingly. And the challenge is motivation. Because if we aren't motivated to actually work on our communication. If we don't have an intrinsic reason, we'll never push through the fear because the fear will always exist in some way, shape, or form, even for me, even for the person on the podcast. Why? Because if me and you are having lunch and Elon Musk calls me and he says, hey, man, I really like your YouTube channel. Can you come and coach me? I'll pay you a million bucks. Would I be scared? Yeah, it's Elon Musk. But with motivation, the reason this is so powerful is from this question that I'm sure a lot of physicians, a lot of healthcare providers don't really think about, which is how would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? We dream about becoming a doctor. We dream about finishing med school. We dream about expensive vacations, things we want to buy, experiences we want to go on. When was the last time we dreamed about a life in which we're a better communicator in it? And if we don't want to make it about us, I'll throw another one at you. How would the lives of your patients change if you became an exceptional communicator? We know in healthcare, patient experience is so important, how we make them feel. So if we're not going to do it for us, we might as well start by doing it for them. Yeah, I think that's a great way to to kind of turn that narrative around 
to take it off of ourselves and say, well, wait a second, if I were better at communication, because it, it's communication in front of a hundred or communication in front of one, it's still being able to communicate effectively, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So how, how do we get better? Right. So there's a couple of things on, oh, go ahead. Do you want to jump in? Oh, you're good. So, so a couple of things there, Karen. Communication, the reason why a lot of us don't work on it is because we don't know the strategy behind that. Example, communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is body language. Another one is storytelling. Another one is eye contact, facial expression, smiling, and the list goes on. So if we try and juggle all 18, all of them will naturally fall to the floor. So instead, what are the three easiest balls that we can juggle in the air to get started with this practice? what I call my easy threes. So let's start with number one. I'll pause after each one so I don't monologue for 15 minutes. So the first one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like tea, like trophy, like master, like paper towels, and create random presentations out of thin air. Why is this exercise effective? Because it helps us quickly think on our feet. I always tell people that if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. And it's also really easy to do because all of us listening to this podcast, I hope, showers every day. So you got 10 minutes in the shower to do this exercise. Or if you have kids, you can do it when you're picking them up from school. So by random word exercise, you mean like if I were to say microphone and I'm doing a presentation on a microphone, I'm trying to sell a microphone. How, what does that mean? Absolutely. How does that work? Absolutely. So to your point, let's demonstrate this. Throw any word at me, but don't use microphone because it's too easy because I had time to think about it. Yeah. Right, right. How about polar bear? Awesome. So Karen did not give me the word polar bear prior to this conversation. I just need to invent something out of thin air, which we're going to do right now. When I think of the polar bear, I think of many things, Karen. The first one is the cold temperature in the North Pole. But minus just how aggressively killer these polar bears can be, there's also a bright side. Kind of like how polar bears are the main attraction to the Coca-Cola brand. Or all polar bears kind of remind us of Christmas and of Santa Claus and of the holiday season. But the reason I bring up the polar bear is that the polar bear has both an aggression that's a bit crazy, but also a soft nature to them when you look at them from afar anyways. And I think life in many ways is that way too, especially when it comes to our dreams. A lot of us from the outside, it's the opposite. We think it's really, really scary. But then when we get closer towards it, it's actually not that bad. Kind of like a polar bear from 10 or a long feet away. So what's the advice here? The advice here is follow your dreams. Because all it takes is a little polar bear. All it takes is a little bit of ambition for you to say, you know what? Even if that polar bear might be scary, let's just see what happens. And that's just the random word. Just do something random. That's it. That's crazy. Yeah. Well done, you. Well done. And people, like, I literally did not give him that word ahead of time. So that was just speaking off the top of your head. Kind of like improvisation. Yeah. Which I took improv classes a couple of years ago to help with the podcast. But what I found is it really helped with my patient interaction. So tying back to what you said before, I became a better communicator with my patients as well. Um, Okay, so number one, random word exercise. 
improving, sort of riffing on things. What's number two? Absolutely. So number two is question drills. We get asked questions all the time in our life, Karen. On podcasts, on shows, at school, at work, in med school, we're always getting asked questions. And most of us are reactive to them, especially for patients. We wait for the question to come and then we go, oh, let me answer that one. In the same way, by the way, a few years ago when I started guesting on podcast, I, I sucked. I remember one question somebody asked me said, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I said, I don't know, man. Uh, San Diego? London? You tell me. Like, I didn't know how to answer it. So I was being very reactive instead of proactive. So what did I do differently? Every single day, Karen, for just five minutes, that's all. Answer one question that you think the world will ask you. But if you do this for five minutes a day, let's say we take a list of your commonly asked questions by patients. If you just do that once a day, let's say day one is where does fear of communication come from? Day two is when will I hear back? <laughs> you know, day, day three is will everything be okay? You know, just, just make a list. And if you do this once a day for a year, Karen, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry. You'll be absolutely bulletproof. I like that. I like that a lot. That's so interesting. I never really thought about doing that. And as you were speaking, I was like, hmm, what are the common questions that physical therapists get asked? So now I'm going to have to do a think on it and maybe write down seven. So you got a week's worth. And then as you're kind of answering those questions, I'm sure other ones will start to pop up. So I don't want people to think, oh, you have to write out 365 questions right off the bat, right? Correct. I'm glad you jumped into that newest. Let me even help help the audience yeah. even a bit more because I'm glad you went there. Don't do this alone. I just said that because I want people to take action. So what's the easiest version? But there's others, but then people make excuses, but I'm happy to give it for your audience here because you're all medical professional. I'm sure you'll take action. So what does this mean? You know, there's other people. You got friends who are in physio. So what I would do, the smart way of doing this exercise, whether you're the CEO of, let's say, the office or the clinic, or you got friends in that field, I would book a call with like seven other people and have seven other people bring seven questions. So then you have 49 questions. And you know what's great about this process is we're not competing against each other. If I don't know the answer to the question, I'll just ask you, hey, Karen, I don't know what to do. How would you answer this question? And then you tell me and I go, oh, let me just copy that with my patients because the questions are the same. But the point is just to do the exercise. There's different ways of doing this. The easy one is just alone in your basement. You have no friends, you know, write it out every day. But to your point, yes, I'm sure you have colleagues in the medical profession that you could just do this with. Yeah, that makes it a lot easier. Takes takes the pressure off because I'm sure you've heard this before. Like 365 questions, forget it. It's too much. I'm not going to do it. Right. Absolutely. So to kind of have have some pals help you out will make a big difference. All right. Random word exercise, question drills. What's number three? Absolutely. So number three is so simple that nobody does it. Make a list of the five people you love the most in your life. Could be your mom, your sister, your brother, family members, could even be patients and ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time you sent them not a 20 minute, but a 20 second video message? just to tell them how much you appreciate having them in your life. The people who helped you through medical school, the people who really believed in you, the teachers, the mentors, the people who supported you. Video messages make people's days, Karen. But more importantly, video messages teach us a very important lesson. 
that the education system does not teach us. The education system teaches us, Karen, that communication is a chore. Oh my God, I have to get better at this thing because I have to do well. And then it's so much stress and anxiety versus when you start sending video messages and you wake up the next morning, you're shocked at the responses you get. Where a lot of people look, you look at the text and you say, whoa. Everyone's saying it made their day, it made their, their week feel really special. They some people never got a video message in their life, and it helps us relearn what communication is for, which is to create an impact, to share an idea with the world, going back to the fears we alluded to earlier, right? I don't want to share my message. I don't want – well, what happens if you don't? Well, if you don't, you won't be able to serve as a role model for the people who are going through medical school right now and are looking up to you. Don't worry about the millions of people in the world. Just worry about the people uh, behind you or rather before you, I think is the right way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. So three really great sort of drills or strategy that we can use at home, either on our own or with some pals to help us find that motivation for public speaking, right? So let's say we've, we're motivated now, we want to do it, we're, we've got a conference coming up, and what happens next, right? We, we, we know our stuff, we're good, but you're still, it's still in there, you get up to the mic and you're like, um uh uh so what what do we do then sure 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 so so a couple of things before that moment arrives hopefully if people get to this episode of time which i hope i would say the next piece so now you're doing these drills you're really building up your momentum your skill set what's what's my go-to strategy for keynote prep i call this the jigsaw puzzle method Communication is like jigsaw puzzles. You know those pieces, you know, those little things we used to do as kids, those toys, right? So whenever we're doing these jigsaw puzzle, we always want to start with the corner pieces. And the reason is because they're easier to find in the box. So if you open a jigsaw puzzle, you get these corner pieces, you put them all together, and then you're working into the middle. So now you're probably wondering, Brendan, why are you talking about jigsaw puzzles? And the reason is super simple, Karen. The reason I talk about jigsaw puzzles is because in communication, most of us do the opposite. We start with the middle first. We shove a bunch of content in our presentations. We get to the podium and we ramble throughout the whole thing. And then the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, thanks. Not the right approach. So what should we do instead? Prepare our presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice just your introduction, Karen, 50 times. 50 seems like a big number, but it really isn't because your introduction is 60 to 90 seconds. So we're talking like an hour's worth of work. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Terrible movie last time I checked. So same thing with the close. Do it 50 times. Once again, it'll take you another hour. Then focus on the middle. If you do that, especially in this industry that we're talking to right now, most people don't bother. I've coached a lot of the, the people in this industry. Most people don't even spend a lot of time and effort doing the communication. So if you just spend those puzzles and you just practice in that way, you'll blow everyone's minds. That makes a lot of sense. I was just... Um away at a at a physical therapy conference and I did have to do 
and opening of the conference with another physiotherapist. And what we really did do a lot is we practiced that first slide, that opening to make sure that we're grabbing people's attention. And then, like you said, we actually did sort of finish with, um, again, another slide that grabbed people's attention and left people feeling really good about it. And we didn't do it intentionally, mind you, we just kind of, it just sort of happened, you know? Um, but now I like that working on the edges. It's like when you're doing your, you write the outline and then you just start filling it in. Um, but I, I really like the beginning and the end because it's true. You always remember sort of that last image that last slide whether it's a presentation or even you know a ted talk or a keynote you kind of always remember the end and kind of how that made you feel so i think that's really great advice i really like that what else is there anything else we need to i mean i'm sure there's a million things that we need to think about although the podcast is not 10 hours long but um what are some other kind of big things that we should remember when it comes to the presentation itself while we're in those prep stages Absolutely Karen so I would say for the for the prep what's nice about doing the beginning the end is because it builds momentum really quickly especially in the industry right now in healthcare where a lot of us you know we're dealing with a ton of patients we're working long hours we don't have as many hours as other industries to actually invest in our communication so I'll I'll give you an example so people understand the comparison let's say you have three hours to practice a presentation. That's 30 minutes. What most people in, in any field will do is they'll practice a third their 30 minute talk three times in a row. They'll get tired and then they'll eat lunch. That's generally what happens. But the problem is, is in those three practices, they don't really see that much growth because it's a big presentation. It's hard to keep improving upon versus if you take that same three hours and you just spend the same, the first two the first hour doing just the intro and the second hour just doing the conclusion. You're going to go to lunch really happy. You say, wow, I just delivered the best introduction of my life, the best conclusion of my life. Now I'm just going to spend the next hour, to your point, filling out the dots, connecting the rest. So that's the the reason strategically why that works more sense. It's a better investment of time. In terms of the other points, now we're going into the bonus round. So the bonus round is this. Every great presentation, Karen, generally has one key idea. What do you want them to remember? I'll give you an example from one of my clients. What she's trying to do is the draw the relationship between empathy and patient care experience. That's what her presentation is about. But if she tries to talk about 10 other things for a TED Talk, it's not going to work because she only has 15 minutes to talk. So every story, every analogy, every tool, every statistic is really revolving around the idea that we need to bring more empathy into not just the patient care experience, but towards other functions within the hospital, whether it's the support teams, the IT, the ops, so that the patient care experience is 360, not just 180, right? That's our whole key idea. But notice how clear that is. But if we try and do 10 different things, we go nowhere. So what's the advice? The advice is bullet down 10 different key ideas on a list and then look at that list with your friends, if you have any, ideally, and then look at that list and say, hmm, out of these 10 ideas, which one energetically excites me the most? 
which one energetically gets me wow like this is the one that i really want to land and the frame now we're getting a little bit more advanced but the frame around this is just asking ourselves this question what is the one key idea out of this long list that i just wrote that i feel no one else is talking about the conference no one else is emphasizing no one else is really drawing a point around in the same way we talked about aj right where she focused on the other areas of the hospital not just doctors that's her key idea what's yours so that's the other piece and then the last piece to presentation prep is the willingness to experiment like a painter, like an artist, like a mad scientist. What does that mean? That means try a bunch of tools, try a personal story, try an anecdote, try a statistic. And the only question you need to ask yourself is this one. And I'll throw it back to you. Does this defend my key idea? Does this personal story, does the statistic, does this anecdote defend my key idea? Yes or no. Try a bunch of things and then you'll figure out the ones that make the most sense. And that's what goes into the final deck. Yeah, that's great. I love that advice. I'm taking copious notes here because I like the way you're kind of laying it out for people. And I think that it's simple. It's easy to follow. Most people love a template. They love kind of instructions, right? I'm sure you get that all the time. It's like, just give me instructions on how to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll do it. And and then when you feel, at least I'm going to say this personally, when I feel better prepared going into a talk, it's a better talk. I'm a little more relaxed. I can kind of go with the flow. If there's a complication or a tech issue, it doesn't completely throw you off your game. So I think to your point by being prepared and prepping adequately, um, I think that can help take away some of the fear. I completely agree. You know what I always say is that the best way to get rid of fear is to have direction. If you're yeah. focused on direction and where you're going and you're not thinking about the fear, you're thinking, oh, I should probably do the brand word exercise tomorrow. Huh, I should probably do some question drills. I probably should get some buddies together on and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, Switching gears slightly, but we're still, you know, in these COVID times, everybody's on Zoom. There's many, many, many Zoom conferences. So does your advice change when it comes to an online presentation versus an in-person presentation? And can you compare and contrast those for us? Absolutely happy to, Karen. So the advice does stay the same, but there are three ads that I'll that I'll jump on that I'll layer on top for online. So the first one is eye contact. So when you're in an in-person setting, Karen, you want to move your head based on who's in the crowd to maintain eye contact with them. But what's nice about online is whether you're speaking to one or ten thousand people, you only have to look in one area, which is the camera lens. That's it. You only just gotta look in one direction which is nice. So that's one. The second one, and this is the most important, I would argue, is energy. Look, at the end of the day, Karen, it's easier to show up with energy when you're in person because the accountability is higher. You'll take a shower, you'll wake up earlier because you actually have to talk to people. You have to shake their hand. You have to hug them, depending on what your preference is. When you're online, you can be like, well, I mean, I guess I can put my PJs on. No one's going to know. So it's, it's that. It's just that piece. It's impossible, in my opinion, to have that same level of standard as we do online and then offline. So what's the advice? The advice is bring more energy in person, get really good in person and bring as much of that as possible online. 
That's the advice. And then finally, number three is accessibility. A lot easier to get feedback from your audience when you're in person because there's no friction. You can just go up to them and say, what's up? You want to get lunch? And that's it. Simple. Online, not as easy. Not as easy to build relationships with event planners and things like that, organizers. So in that situation, you got to force those relationships, Karen. That means you got to get on calls with people. You get on feedback calls with the organizers who brought you there to make sure you keep that relationship alive. You're getting the feedback you need, but you're also closing more speaking gigs through those relationships. You're muted, by the way. I was going to say, it's all about the follow-up. And when you're online, follow-up can seem a little bit harder. So follow up people, email, text, voice message, DM, however, whatever you need to do, but follow up. That's something that I admit I was not great at up until a couple of years ago was that follow up. And it makes a huge difference. And it's it takes, I don't know, two seconds of your time to send an email to follow up, right? It's not that invasive to your time. Not so, at all. yeah. So follow up, follow up, follow up. Okay. Um, one more question around the presentation and uh, presentations is oftentimes I see this a lot at in um, physical therapy conferences or sports medicine conferences is oftentimes you're presenting as part of a group. So there may be, you know, anywhere, maybe two people up to four people in a symposium or within a presentation. So what can you do to prepare for that and present and stand out within this group presentation? Absolutely. So let me ask a clarification question, Karen, on this. So when you mean stand out, because usually, and because that's why I want your feedback on this, a lot of the times when I'm coaching people in this industry on group presentations, it's usually like a research study that they all did together. So is that the context you're coming in from as well? Or is there like a different context that I missed here? No, I think that's definitely part of it is it'll be a research study that a group of people did on their own, or it may be part of a symposium on knee pain. And there'll be three or four different people speaking on knee pain, perhaps presenting their own individual research, or um, sometimes it can be researched together. Mm, okay, interesting. So so I'll go in the context of let's assume they're all on the same team, because the other piece is more like you want to stand up for everyone else, which goes back to the individual tips, right? Just just win and then just do the red exercise and just get the get the recognition. But in terms of the group, there's a couple of nuances we can draw. So thanks for that, Karen. The first difference is realize that if you're listening to this podcast, you are automatically the leader of the team. And the reason is because you have the most information. Unless you're sending this podcast, which I encourage you to do as well, right, to your to your fellow teammates in this group. Because you're the person with the most information, I encourage you to take leadership and understand the strengths and weaknesses of everyone on your team. Why? Because you're only as strong as your weakest link in group presentations. That would be my first advice. Take leadership. Take all the hardest parts on. Make your teammates' life as easy as possible. That's tip one. Tip number two, realize that when you are not speaking, you are still speaking. What do I mean by this? Let's say me and Karen are on the same team. We're both presenting this amazing research. Probably she, she did all the work because what do I know about the medical industry? And she's presenting. And as she's presenting, I'm looking in the sky and I'm thinking, ah, what's for lunch? 
even if I'm not talking, I'm telling my audience something, Karen. What I'm telling them is, by the way, guys, I spent six months researching this with Karen, and I don't care about what she says, so you shouldn't either. And that's the message we're sending people. So what's the point? The point is you got to speak even when you're not speaking, which means when Karen's talking, Brendan's looking at her and going, wow, nodding his head. Wow. So when she says something great, you nod your head. So do the same thing with your teams. Be sure you're paying attention to the people that are speaking. That's number two. Number three is have a solid system for Q&A, especially in the context of research. Why? Because generally in those presentations, not always, it depends on the format, but usually you will get asked specific nuanced questions about the research, the thesis, the sample size, what you did. You got to be strong. Because if you miss those questions, or worse, you contradict each other, your whole presentation sinks. And that's what a lot of people don't get. So I actually have a system on this, but that nobody in the medical industry uses that people, you could be the first one who uses this. I call it Q&A Master. So Q&A Master is a, is a technique I learned from a team in Sweden that I thought was really fascinating. So what they did is that the best person who answers questions became the master. And then based on the questions they got from the research teams or the people in the room or judges, what that master would do is he would filter or she would filter all the questions, turn to the research team and see who has their hands in front of their body. So whoever has their hands in front of their body wants to answer the question and whoever doesn't want to answer the question has their hands behind their body. It's super nuanced. Nobody would actually notice it. And all the master does is they, he looks really quickly or she looks really quickly and picks out the people. So he evenly distributes the question. So there's no stress because he knows who the expert is. And if nobody has their hands up, he just answers the question because he's the best at Q&A. That's it. Q&A master. I love it. That is such an easy and like you said, nuanced way. So the audience isn't really picking up on that and it makes your q a flow so much easier correct oh that is such a good idea i love that one all right if i the next time i am in a group presentation i will definitely bring that up i love it okay so um when when we're when we're presenting and we're up on stage people often think well, of course they're up on stage because they're such a people person. They're the extrovert of the group. They're, you know, of course only extroverts get up on stage, which of we know is not true. So what advice do you have for those folks who might be a little more introverted or shy and and to get up there and do their thing? Absolutely. I mean, let me start with this, Karen. I had no business getting up on any stage. You know, I'm a, I was 22 when I started Master Talk. My average client is 20 years older than me. I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. I spoke my whole life in a second language. And I have a crooked left arm because of a surgery I had when I was younger. Who in the world am I to share ideas on communication and public speaking with the world? So the better question now becomes, why did I press record? Why did I do it? I had every excuse not to. I did it for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford it. I never did it for my executives. I just said, hey, wait a second. Like people are like 12 years old. Like who are they going to relate to with their communication? Not some six-year-old white guy who's retiring and who has seven PhDs in comms. She's going to relate to me. And I'm the only person who can share these videos because I have the expertise because I've been doing it for so long. Even if I'm 26, I've been doing it for seven years. Nobody has that kind of resume. So I said, it's either I do these videos or nobody does. 
So think about that message in the context of what you want to share with the world. So if you're a little bit more shy or introverted, that generally means a few things. And let's focus on the positive. Three things specifically. One, you're a better listener. Okay. Extroverts like me are terrible listeners. That's why we make great guests on podcasts. We'll just yap all the time. Whereas when you're an introvert, you listen more because you speak less. So it's easier for you to be empathetic, not just to the patients you serve in your day-to-day work, but also empathetic to your audience. You know what's going to land because you're asking them powerful questions. You're listening to them. That's one. Two, you're better at pausing. Pausing is the most important tool in communication because it allows us to draw emphasis with our key ideas. Extroverts suck at pausing because we hate space. If we're at a party or at a bar and we're just staring at somebody and there's no conversation, we start to get really anxious. And we go, uh, Karen, what's your favorite color? I start to freak out. Whereas an introvert never has that problem, Karen, because they're just comfortable with silence. They ain't talking that much anyways. So pausing is really easy for them. And then the last piece is accessibility. Introverts are actually a lot more accessible to share their ideas than extroverts are. Example, Gary Vaynerchuk, CEO of VaynerMedia, massive social media following. I have a, I'm a big fan personally, but you either like the guy or you don't. You either like his really, really loud approach or you go, get this guy away from me. Nobody says that about Brene Brown, Karen. Nobody says, I hate Brene Brown. <laughs> so what's the message? The message is someone out there needs your message and you just got to go out there and share it and leverage your strengths in the process. Oh, great advice for all of those uh, introverts out there or even your sort of somewhere in between that introvert and extrovert, right? I th- I think it, what is it, an entre- entrepreneur? Entrevert? They used to say entrepreneur. <laughs> no, what? Ambervert. Ambervert. Right, right, right. No, I was going to say an entrevert. And then I'm like, no, that's not right. Um, yes. Uh, so great advice. Now, you had mentioned Master Talk a couple of times. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure, Karen. So Master Talk was just a fluke. You know, after university ended for me, I had no plans of being an entrepreneur, like a content creator, similar to a lot of the questions you had asked around introverts. I was just going to become an executive at IBM. That was my goal. So I went on to work there for a few years. But I realized that everything that I was sharing with the students back then wasn't available for free on the internet. So I started making YouTube videos on communication, and it just turned into something I never could have imagined, which today, of course, is a coaching business and a media company for people who can't afford a coach. That's wonderful. I love that um, you're you're supplying people with really good, relevant content that doesn't cost 10 grand to get it. Not at all. Fabulous. Now, um, as we start to wrap things up here, I have a couple more questions for you. These will be easy. Number one, what are your top three books for public speaking or speaking in general that you would recommend? I'll recommend one because usually when you Perfect. recommend three, people don't buy all three. So I'll give one, an unconventional one. Thirst by Scott Harrison. So that's Thirst by Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison's the CEO and founder of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit. He started to help people gain access to clean water. The reason I recommend Scott's work, Karen, is because the guy's a world-class storyteller. I've never seen anyone like him where he would practically went from a nightclub promoter in New York City in his 20s to building the largest water charity in America. He raised $100 million just last year 
to to fund clean water projects. And he did it primarily through communication and storytelling. And there's a great quote in the book that I'd love to share. And the quote is simply this, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And that quote will always stick with me. Excellent. Great. So that's Thirst by Scott Harrison. And just so people know, we'll have a link to that in the show notes um, at the podcast website. All right. So what are you what do you want people to take away from this conversation? I would say for me, Karen, it goes back to the question we alluded to a bit earlier in this conversation. How would your life change or rather how would your patients experience in life change if you became an exceptional communicator? I fundamentally believe that the biggest piece that's missing in this field is excitement and passion for pursuing communication. Communication is supposed to be fun. Like everything we shared today isn't like, oh, my God, like you have to sit there and find your key idea. Like it's fun. Do this with people around you. Get excited. Why? Because it matters. Because it's every moment of your life. It's not just about getting on the stage. It's not just about making your patients feel like they're the most important people in the world in that moment with you. It's every conversation you have with your family. It's the way that you talk to your children, your nieces, your nephews. It's the way that you order food at a restaurant or when you make new friends. And when we realize that communication is about leading a more fulfilling life, we'll start to take it more seriously. Excellent. Great takeaway for everyone listening. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Absolutely, Karen. This is a great conversation. Thanks for having me. So two ways of keeping in touch. One, the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And number two, I do a free workshop over Zoom that's live and interactive. It's not some boring webinar. And I facilitate it. So if you want to jump in on one of those, all you have to do is register for free at Rockstar communicator.com. Perfect. So that's rockstar communicator.com. Perfect. And again, we'll have links to all of this at the podcast website, podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. One click will get you to Brendan and all of these amazing resources. So last question, knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what would, what advice would you give to your younger self? My advice, Karen, would be ask yourself one hard question about life every single day, and you'll never be the same ever again. That's the biggest thing. I'll give you three to not make your audience too crazy here. One, if you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? You know, a lot of us are always optimizing for the magical number 65. But if I made you an instant billionaire, what would you do with your time now? That's one. Two, if you could only accomplish three things in your life and only three, what would you accomplish and why? This helps you focus because time is limited. Time is the essence that we're all trying to optimize again. So use it effectively. And number three, what's a goal or a dream that you secretly gave up on and never told anyone about? I'd encourage you to answer that question because it might lead to a dream that you should be pursuing in your life. Wow. Great advice. And I think that's a first. I've never heard that uh, for a piece of advice. And I ask all my all my guests this. That's the first time I've gotten that piece of advice. So you you are uh, certainly a first on the podcast. And I'm really happy that you came on and shared all this great info with myself and with, with the listeners of the podcast. So thank you so much. Pleasure was mine, Karen. Thanks for having me. Yes. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.
www.thepowerhouse.com.